Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And this one is on dual energy, and I'm going to look at some of the vascular applications. Now, it's interesting, of course, dual energy has been around for a couple of years and hasn't quite got the traction it should get, but I think it's getting there. Now, maybe part of the reason was the initial articles on dual energy focused on using dual energy for detecting uric acid to make the diagnosis of gout on CT. And although one will admit from this article and some of these pictures, you can see the gout, the uh, uric acid in green, it makes very nice pictures. Um, perhaps that is not the most exciting thing to do with a CT scanner. Uh, yes, you can diagnose gout, and yes, a few articles have showed that you can follow patients post-treatment, but again, perhaps it didn't excite too many people. However, what is exciting to me are the vascular applications, particularly when bone removal is critical. There are a number of other things, virtual non-contrast examinations of endovascular stents, which would potentially help reduce dose, using some of the work done at NYU, pulmonary embolism evaluation with blood flow maps, myocardial perfusion imaging. There are many things where dual energy will play a major role. But I think when we look at that, and what I'll do for this talk is really look at those studies where bone removal is critical. And the three main ones I'll focus on, though I will cover other things, would be runoff studies, carotid artery imaging, and circle of Willis and base of brain. So let's look at some of the points that dual energy does take advantage of. Now, of course, with dual energy, you need to think about your protocols. Protocols in terms of timing and injection are indeed very, very critical. But where dual energy really plays a major role, even with the same protocols, is on the post-processing end of things. And so, for example, if we're speaking about runoff studies, the same principles hold. Now, one thing potentially that's possible with dual energy is that you can use a lower volume of contrast. So that'll become important. Now, for example, if we thought about runoff studies, what can you do, a preset delay? But that's really tricky for runoff studies. It's hard to be right. Even a preset delay based on patient's age, the older the patient, the slower the transit time, but that's kind of tricky. Test bolus technique can work, but in our experience, we like test bolus for cardiac and not for anything else. Triggering is probably the best technique. Now, depending what study you're doing, triggering should be more distal. So, for example, if you're doing a runoff study, different articles have shown the lower abdominal aorta, the SFA or popliteal artery are all good places to trigger off. Now, one of the things with the newest scanners, which are very fast, the issue is not scanning too late, but scanning too early. That is, will outrun the contrast bolus. So again, timing becomes very tricky. And of course, the further on down the vascular map you're uh, triggering, the better you're going to be. If you're triggering from the popliteal artery, it should be an ideal process. Now again, it's important to know your scanner because if you're triggering off the popliteal artery, how long will it take for you to move the scanner back to the initial part of the scan, and how long till you start scanning. So again, everything will be very dependent on your scanner. Uh, this article by Nakaya made the point that a test injection at the knee level was found to be useful for lower extremity imaging. This article by Sarah Sapith also made the point that uh, 64 slice MDCT can be used in the abdominal aorta and lower extremities with reduction of table speed. So again, in this article, they recommended different table speeds. Uh, my best experience is triggering off 
lower extremity, triggering of popliteal. We have a really good, well-experienced technologist. When they see contrast in the popliteal artery, they can then move the table up to the initial scan position and start scanning. So again, it depends on the experience of your technologist, but one of the reasons I don't like to put a cursor in a vest like the popliteal, it's so small, and if the patient moves, you may not trigger the scan. So visual triggering tends to work very nicely in this regard. Now, of course, once you acquire the data, it's very important to look at the data in many perspectives. If you're doing a runoff study, you obviously don't want to be focusing on the axial imaging. That's a couple thousand slices and not a good way of looking at vascular mapping. So the volume rendering and MIP, as well as for larger vessels, curved planar reconstruction will indeed be important. Now, with dual energy, there are several significant advantages for this application. One is improved contrast profile. As I mentioned, you can use less contrast. At the RSNA 2013, one of the vendors showed their newest scanner, and they were scanning uh, studies from the base of the skull to the feet with 40 cc's of contrast. Now, I don't think you can do that yet, but using some of the advantages of dual energy, you could surely lower the dose significantly. Easy and usually reliable bone subtraction, the potential in the future for calcified plaque subtraction, and again, because we can do uh, virtual non-contrast studies, perhaps in some applications, a less uh, radiation uh, dose study. Now, just some basic facts about dual energy, just so everyone knows a little bit about it. The energy dependence of the photoelectric effect and the variability of the K edges forms the basis for dual energy techniques. The K-edge, as you remember from your physics days, refers to the spike in attenuation that occurs in energy levels just greater than that of the K-shell binding because of the increased photoelectric absorption at these energy levels. And therefore, the K-edge values vary for each element, and they increase as atomic number increases. And so if I take some of the typical substances, but the ones that matter most are calcium and iodine in this application, and the K-edge of calcium and iodine is significantly different, that's because their atomic number is significantly different, differing by 33. Now, in terms of technique, you can do dual energy two different ways, with two x-ray tubes, which run at different KVPs, so the data is perfectly aligned. That's typically the Siemens uh, dual source scanner, and a single source with rapid KVP switching to get the two series aligned, and that's typically the GE method. Article by Ho talking about volume dual energy with this rapid switching with even a conventional 64 slice scanner works very nicely. One of the advantages typically of a single detector um, x-ray tube combination is that there's no limit to the field of view. The full field of view is scanned with dual energy. The field of view is often a bit more limited. And here's the typical gemstone spectral imaging, the GE product. One tube, one gemstone detector, 0.25 millisecond temporal resolution, near perfect anatomical alignment for the full 50 cm field of view. And you can do monochromic imaging, and we'll look at some of that after, as well as tissue decomposition. And you can see, when you look at these images very nicely, you can see the heart actually is beating, and you can see how the table works, gathering all of the information. So again, um, it will switch back and forth between the two energy levels, and that's how you would do with a single tube. With a Siemens type, like the definition flash, the concept, of course, is a bit easier because two x-ray tubes, each of them are running at one energy, 140 and 80 perhaps, and then you always have the second contrast available if you scan this way, 
and it's dose neutral compared to a single 120 kV study. Now, depending on how you use the scanner, we'll often do a 100 and 140 kVps. The 80s tend to be noisy. Newer scanners are going with 70 and 140. The bigger the separation, the better value dual energy will have. Now, some facts at lower KVP that are important. Iodinated contrast shows an approximately 80% increase in CT attenuation at 80 KVP compared to 140. It does provide lower radiation dose. Less IV contrast is necessary because it appears denser, and you also can decrease artifacts like pseudo-enhancement. The bad news, of course, is imaging uh, at 80 kVp creates increased image noise because photons have a higher energy closer to the cage of iodine, so the contrast in vessels is enhanced, typically by a factor of around 2, but the images are noisy, which really will limit the multiplanar in 3D. This is the reason why we tend to be at 100, but again, the newer scanners, taking advantage of new knowledge, will be able to run at lower levels. Now, in terms of peripheral vascular disease, there's an article by Brockman, dual energy CT is a feasible and accurate technique in the assessment of symptomatic peripheral arterial occlusive disease. Results obtained by dual energy CTA are superior to the conventional bone removal techniques and less dependent on vessel wall calcifications. So this is the key article, and in fact the only article, which talks about bone removal. And if you look at his numbers, Look at those numbers compared to digital subtraction angiography, sensitivity, specificity, and accuracy of CTA was 97%, 94%, and 94% by the dual energy bone removal technique. Conventional bone removal was only in the 70s. So it's a significant difference, almost 20 points greater for using the dual energy bone removal technique. Now, um, Rockman also made the point that uh, in severely calcified segments, the sensitivity, specificity, and accuracy stayed above 90% with the dual energy technique, while with conventional bone removal techniques, that's where they really failed. So in the more difficult the case, the more likely dual energy is to work. Now here's just a nice example. I'll show you a few cases. Here we're looking at the aortic bifurcation to the iliacs, and then the iliacs bifurcating into external and internal iliacs. And you scan a bit lower, and you look for the superficial femoral artery on the left, and you can see it's not there. And distally, there is some reconstitution of flow. And sure enough, here we do the 3D imaging with the bone in place, and you see the SFA occluded on the left, and here we can see it again from anterior and posterior projection. And here with dual energy bone removal, look how nicely you see the occlusion. It's a very sharp occlusion. It's a clot, which was subsequently removed. And you can see that once you get past the clot and the thrombus by collaterals, there is reconstitution of flow, and the trifurcation vessels are nicely seen. So a very good look where dual energy works well. Now, in comparing dual energy and single energy, I need to be fair. Here's an example of a patient who has multiple stents from the SFA downward that are occluded, and you can see on the axial images and the 3D volume rendered images. And then with my trusty bone removal technique, I could take away the bony structures, which are now in blue. And when I take them away, you can very nicely see the grafts that have failed, as well as the collaterals. A very, very nice example, and this is simply with bone removal. Very quick, fairly easy, and very accurate in this case. With the dual energy images, 
It's a bit faster because you do not have to remove the bone, though in this case it was fast because the bone was removed very easily. But you can see very nicely the iliacs down to the superficial femorals, the occlusion uh, with, the, with the stents occluded as well as the vessel being occluded on the right side. And again, very nice visualization. So here you would say the two are accurate, equally accurate for that matter, but again, it would be a bit faster with the dual energy. Now let's take another example. Here's a runoff study with a graft, and we're trying to look at patency. So we look, and you can see the lower abdominal aorta is narrowed. You can see that the uh, superficial femoral artery on the left is occluded, and there's a graft in place. And when I go to do the study with bone removal, you can see the blue, which is the bone being removed, also takes away some vessel. I need to go back and re-edit. You can see as I start re-editing, a lot of errors happen in this case. Now I can go back point by point and try to fix those errors, but it's time consuming and it often in this case is very difficult and it's very hard to do a perfect job. On the other hand, look what happens with the dual energy. Here you can see very nicely the native iliac vessels, the, the graft, you can see the runoff studies on both the right and left, including the trifurcation vessels. And I'll just cone down on it and you can see very nicely the detail particularly well seen with MIP imaging. You can see the graft on the left side. Again, very nicely seen. So a very good example of where the dual energy is substantially better. Now, in saying that, one of the things to remember with dual energy bone removal is you do have some flexibility in terms of modifying parameters. So here you can see what looks like occlusion on the right, superficial femoral. You can see the very nice bone removal with dual energy. And here's the vascular map. You can see multiple areas of stenosis and occlusion, particularly on the right side. You can see that from the image on your left to the image on your right, I've changed the parameters so the bone does not bleed through quite as much. And here I've even done it better. So again, very nice example. Now, what else can you do? Now, one exciting thing potentially is removal of calcification. Now, if you can remove calcium from the vessel, perhaps you can see vessel patency. Imagine how well that would work in a runoff study, how, how it would work in a carotid study, how it would work in the coronary artery. So there's lots of possibilities. Now, you can see in this case, I've actually taken the calcium image on your left and removed it. It's not seen on the image on your right. But the question you have to ask yourself as you look a bit closer, is there some flow and I just removed too much of the vessel? Not only calcification, but some minor flow in the vessel. And I think that's the concern. At this point, it's very easy to remove the calcium, but it does err in removing too much of the patent vessel. And in this case, the vessel is small, but there is flow present. There's increasing work being done. Here it is on the GE scanner, which shows very nicely a dense calcified plaque at the carotid bifurcation and removal of the plaque. So again, if you're able to do this, it's going to be a very, very important application as we go forward. Um, this article by Vlehouse talks about the, uh, the accuracy of uh, dual energy CT compared to standard uh, single energy. Dual energy bone subtraction superiority is maintained in heavily calcified vessels whereas this decreases dramatically for threshold-based subtraction. So again, dual energy wins, and dual energy bone subtraction has been shown to be faster and technically superior. Okay, very simple. But I think it's important to realize that nothing is perfect. Um, here, 
Vallejos makes the point that even with dual energy subtraction, bone subtraction is not frequently uh, incomplete. So what does that mean? Well, it's not perfect, but also in our experience, I noticed some errors. So let's look at one pitfall. And this pitfall will tell you that no matter what the study, no matter what post-processing you do, you always have to also look at the source data. In this case, we see the aorta, and we see very dense calcifications in the left common iliac artery. And you can follow it down. You can see this flow, and there's the superficial femorals. And here it is when I do the bone removal myself, very heavy calcified vessels, but there is flow in the vessels. But look what happens with the dual energy on your right. It looks like the superficial femoral arteries are occluded distally, but more importantly, it looks like the left common iliac is occluded, and probably the right common iliac as well. Well, what's going on here? Is this correct? Is this the real finding? Well, if you look very carefully, you can see as I circled, there is flow in that common iliac, so it's not occluded. But look what happened when the computer was doing the dual energy subtraction. You see it's taken away part of the vessels. It's not only taken away some calcification, but it's taken away the vessel lumen. And that's the danger. When you have very dense calcification, it will take away a little bit too much. There's the image, another display of that, side by side. So again, the key message is always review the source data. It's very, very easy to make a mistake. Now what else? There are many other applications in terms of dual energy, and one of them is going to be trauma. But I'll tell you what, let's take a short break and let's come back with part two of this talk. I'll discuss some of the other applications, including trauma and head and neck imaging. See you in a few moments.